Hey, we're doing this series called the Book of Hebrews, and, and um, what's good about the Book of Hebrews? We're in chapter five today, but you know what? You don't, you're not going to miss a beat if you're like, oh, what? I've, I haven't been there for part one, part two, chapter, chapter three, chapter four. What's so good about the Bible is that the, as the Bible, you can, you can open up the Bible and God will speak to you right where you are. This isn't like some binge watching um, TV that we do these days and go, oh, I've got to watch from, number, from episode one. No, you, you can join right where you are and you're not going to miss a beat. You know, one of, one, of the, um, one of the words that I love the most is I love to be called dad. I love to be called dad. Um, growing up, due to various circumstances, um, you know, I, I was raised by my mum and my grandmother, and I didn't spend much time with my, with, my, with my dad. So when I became a dad, it really, really meant something to me. It really did. But you know what I've learned is that, that as a parent, you're never prepared for how fast your children grow. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like they're just born, now they're turning 21, right? You're walking into school, now you're walking them down the aisle for them to get married. And you're like, oh my goodness, how fast do they grow and where does the time go? But, you know, for um, over half my, we have seven children, me and my amazing wife, and over half of our kids have moved out of home and they're living in their own places bit of a celebration going on for, for me in Porto. And, uh, but here's the thing. Whenever my kids need something, whenever they need something, all I get is a text that goes, Dad. And if I don't reply, it goes, Dad, 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 Dad. And I'm like, okay, what do you want? <laughs> dad, Dad. But here's the thing. Why do they keep um, contacting me going, dad, dad, dad? The reason they do this is because they know that I am their dad. They know that I love them. And, and, and they know that I am forever for them. And so they can come to me and they can approach me and say, dad, I need something. And I was going, okay, what do you need? What do you need? Money. Oh, my goodness. Money. It's like, aren't you working? Like, hmm, we need a discussion about budgeting, you know. But here's the thing. Uh, if you're a dad in this room, if you're a parent, a mother, whichever, I'm so glad that my kids keep coming to me. Because you know what? what? What will sadden my heart is if my kids stop engaging with me because of some wreck in their life. They've had a train wreck. And because, because they've had a train wreck in their life, now they're ashamed to come towards me. That will sadden my heart if my kids were, all of a sudden didn't want to approach me anymore because something happened in their life. And what's really interesting, when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, you know, the reason why we stop engaging with God and the reason why we push away, away from God is because we're ashamed of something we've done. And, and we think it's because, because, of, because of all these things, I've let God down. And, you know, oh, you know, maybe I'm not worthy to be in His presence. But I am so glad that our relationship with our Heavenly Father is not based upon our own performance. But our relationship with our Heavenly Father is based upon His love for us. Amen. And the book of Hebrews reveals a Heavenly Father who is always present. Who is always present. You may be in this room and you've never had a father that was present. Um, I used to joke around when, uh, as being, I used to be a youth pastor for many years, and sometimes you know, we used to ask the kids, if your dad was a superhero, what superhero would they be? Right? And you know, they'd say, oh, but Superman, and all this. And I was thinking, oh, that's not really a good question to ask kids these days, because you never know. You know, well, if your dad was a superhero, what superhero would he be? The invisible man, because I never see him. 
You're not too sure whether you should laugh at that or go, oh, right? It's one of those kind of things. But you know what? We have a, the book of Hebrews tells us that our Heavenly Father is always present. He is always there for us. And we can approach the throne of grace and mercy always. We can always go before Him because our Heavenly Father is always longing to connect with us. He's longing to connect with you. If you're in this room right now, you've never had a father that was present, let me tell you, your Heavenly Father is here and He longs to connect with you. So today we're looking at chapter 5 of the book of Hebrews. We're going to get to chapter 5, but we're actually going to start in chapter 4. Right? Because it's interesting, because when, when the Bible was written, these letters were written, you know, um, sometimes the chapters don't line up to the thought of the writer. So to get to chapter 5, we're going to begin in chapter 4. So although this title is called chapter 4, let's start chapter 5, let's start in chapter 4, verse 14. And we're going to make our way to chapter, chapter 5. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews 4, verse 14. Verse 14, this is what it says. This is the writer of Hebrews, he's writing these things. And he says, therefore... Since we have a great high priest, a high priest is someone who represents us to God and, and God to us. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess that Jesus died for us on a cross so that we can be forgiven. And three days later, he defeats death. And he ascends into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God. He ascends into heaven. We have a high priest that represents us, and he sits at the right hand of God. And the writer says, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, that Jesus is the one that we have our confidence in. In other words, our confidence shouldn't be based upon ourselves. Our confidence shouldn't be based upon our abilities or our behavior or our success or our failure. See, Jesus is not going to condemn us for our weakness. Did you know that? Because sometimes that's the reason why we stopped engaging with God. Because for whatever reason, we think that God's going to condemn us for our weaknesses, for our struggles. But Jesus is never going to condemn us for our weakness. Do you know why? Because verse 15 goes on and says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Did you hear that? That Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are. And it goes on. Yet he did not sin. See, Jesus understands our weakness. Jesus understands your weaknesses because he became one of us. God understands your weakness because he became one of us. Jesus, fully, eternally, God the Son. Jesus, fully, God the human being. Jesus is fully God and fully Human. See, the Son of God is a divine title. It's a divine title. It's, it's not like God, God the Father procreated Jesus. Not at all. Jesus is eternal along with the Father and the Spirit. So in his humanity, Jesus comes as our high priest. Meaning that he stands between us and the Father, and through grace, he unites us. 
He unites us through grace. Because Jesus experienced all those urges. Have you ever had urges? A temptation that keeps knocking on, the, on that door? Jesus experienced all those urges and the weaknesses of the flesh that makes humans vulnerable to sin. But he never himself sinned. That's what the Bible says. Do you know what that means? It means that weaknesses and temptations is not sin. Jesus experienced all of that, which means he understands your pain, which means he understands your rejection, which means he understands your betrayal, which means he understands your struggle. He understands what you are going through right now. He's been there. He's had the darkest night of his life. And some of you feel like you're in the, in the dark, darkest nights of your life right now. Verse 16 goes on and says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, other translation says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, it is our sin that separates us from God. That's what separates us from God. That's why we feel disconnected from Him. Not that God disconnects us from Him. It's, that it's our sin that separates us from God. And because Jesus did not sin, He Himself is the solution to our weakness. That on the cross, He died for all our sins. Not just for some of them, but for all our sins. And He rose again three days later, defeating death. Death, where is your sting? Death, you have been defeated. Meaning, for those who call upon the name of Jesus and receive this free gift called grace, that you too, we too, will rise again because Jesus defeated death at the cross and he rose again. And this is free gift. And that's what grace means, this undeserved free gift, that this gift that God gives to us, that, that even when we rejected him, even when we were talking about God behind his back, even when we were spitting in his face, he died for us anyway. That's what the Bible says. He died for us anyway. See, we can choose today to receive this gift of grace, and when we do, the sin that separates us from God is gone. That's what Jesus did. He removes the sin as far as the east is from the west. Through the grace, this gift that God gives us, and all we have to do is receive this gift. Here's the thing. Will you approach the throne of grace and mercy with boldness? Not because you earned it. Not because you deserve it. Not because it's a reward. Not because it's, it's something we've done. But it's solely based upon what Jesus has done for us. Here's the beauty about grace. We have a heavenly Father who loves us and has made a way for us. So that when we blow it, and let me tell you, you will. When we blow it, we can come to Him. It means when we mess up, and we do, we can come to Him. We can come to Him. Why? Because He is gracious. Because He is kind. Because He is good. And He is the only one who can heal us from our brokenness and our dysfunction. Will we approach the throne of grace and mercy with boldness?
You know, um, we have four sons. Only one of our sons live at home now. Praise God. Still going to school. But one of our sons, I'm not going to say who it is, just so not to embarrass him. Some of you might know who this is just by describing him. He's flatting, and he, and he rocks up to our house. And he goes, and he, and he grabs a countdown shopping bag. Doesn't bring one. He just grabs one. Goes, opens up the cupboard, and he grabs a pack of noodles. Puts it in the bag. Starts going through a whole bunch of stuff. And then he opens up the freezer. And just to be polite, he pulls out a tub of ice cream. And he says, is anyone eating this? Then he puts it in his bag. Then he leaves. While I'm sitting at the table. You know, my son comes with boldness to my house. He does not need to ask. Because he knows he already has permission from his dad. That I shake my head and I laugh. Because I'd rather my son come to me than disengage from me. Regardless of what he does. Regardless of how he eats the ice cream. It's probably good for me that he eats the ice cream. Because the top that he took, it was like this, um, it was a mint ice cream with uh, cookies, you know, the cookies, mint ice cream. It's my favorite ice cream. He pulls out, is anyone eating this? I go, do you want to take the vanilla? No, he takes this one. Here's the thing. Let us approach the throne of grace with mercy and with boldness. With boldness. Chapter 5, we got there. Chapter 5. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God. This is the high priest who represents us to God, God to us, to offer gifts and sacrifice for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray. He begins to, he pastors them. He's gentle with them. He comes and he loves them and he, and he guides them. He pastors them. He pastors them. Since he himself is subject to weakness, This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when God, when called by God, just as Aaron was. This is talking about the high priest from the line of Aaron in the temple, serving in the temple. So this, 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 the high priest, even the high priest, even though he's of this line, uh, is telling us that he's not perfect. He sins. He has weaknesses, but he falls into temptation. He has to give sacrifice for himself. Then you get to verse 5. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And and this is a direct uh, quotation from Psalms chapter 2, verse 10. Speaking of kingship. Verse verse 6. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. See, Jesus is the culmination of of the idea of priesthood representing us to God and God to us. He is far superior to any previous priest. In fact, he belongs to a different sort of priesthood, one which we can rely on totally and forever, that we can rely on this priesthood forever. This priesthood does not fail. This priesthood, yes, he, 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 he experiences temptations and weaknesses, but he does not succumb to them. He understands us right where we are, but he's perfect and just, and he's caring, and he comes, and he, and he loves us just where we are. 
In fact, in the Old Testament, Melchizedek is both a king and a high priest fused together in one person. In other words, Jesus is the eternal king. He is the eternal high priest, meaning he is always on your side. He is always on your side. He always has your back. Then the writer goes on to verse 7 of chapter 5 and says, During the days of Jesus, life on earth. So the writer of Hebrews thus described what, what Jesus was doing when he was here, before he ascended to heaven. The writer begins to describe some of the things that he experienced, that Jesus experienced, who was fully God and fully man, fused in one person. And he says, During the days of Jesus' life here on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. The writer is describing the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Gospels, we find the story of Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. He's in the garden and he's crying and he's, he's got tears. And the Bible tells us that his, his, his tears were like drops of blood. He was in agony. Jesus was at breaking point. Jesus knew that he was going to die, but now he's having second thoughts. Oh, Jesus having second thoughts? He goes, oh, yes. Okay, yes, so Jesus experienced weaknesses and temptation. Oh, but he's Jesus. But we're, we're normal people. Jesus was human. And in the garden, he was experiencing second thoughts. God, if you can take... Father, you can take this away from him. Please, take it away. See, God, see, he's God become human, but yes, but he is human. And this story in the Bible is powerful. And Jesus' emotions begin to unravel in the pages that we begin to read. His emotions begin to unravel during his darkest nights. This was his darkest night. He was in agony. He was at breaking point. He was having second thoughts. And if you're here this morning, see, if you're having second thoughts about God, if you're having questions about God, see, that's weakness. It's not sin. And that's okay. Jesus was struggling. See, some of you know those nights. Some of you have been through those nights before. This is the unbelievable power of the story. That Jesus is God become human. And God joins us in our darkest nights of our soul. God joins us. See, in those moments where your world is unraveling, when it feels like your prayers is just hitting a, a ceiling and you feel like no one's listening, God, are you there? And you're convinced that nobody cares. Some of you have been there. Some of you may be there even right now. That's why the writer of Hebrews goes on in verse 8. Speaking of Jesus. Saying that Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. 
And as was designated by God to be a high priest, to represent us to God. In the order of Melchizedek, that he's a king and priest forever. See, he's a member of the Trinity. As Jesus, the member of the Trinity, is as God. See, you don't have weaknesses in the Trinity. You don't have temptation in the Trinity. So Jesus was willing to share all the weaknesses and temptations of being human. Consequently, he was made perfect, meaning Jesus' sinless status is perfect. Jesus' sinless status is, is perfect. See, the, the writer of Hebrews reminds us of the garden moment of Jesus, that Jesus is no stranger to the utter fear and pain of the human condition. Jesus knows you, and he knows your story. He knows where you are right now. He knows and understands your struggle and your pain because he has been right where you are in your darkest moment. He understands temptation. He understands weakness. But the Bible tells us that yet he did not sin. And he becomes the solution for our weakness. It means that we're setting ourselves up to fail if our faith and our hope is in us, in our own performance. Because at our best, we sometimes get it right. See, when you doubt, when the struggle is real, we need to remember that His grace That in His grace that we can approach the throne of grace and mercy. Because He perpetually invites us into His presence to experience the power and His provision of His love. Come on, let us approach the throne of grace and mercy with boldness. Yeah, at the end of last year, at the end of last year, I was elected by my peers. Uh, talking about the pastors of Elam, the Elam movement, to be part of the national leadership team for Elam. And, and so, okay, I'm now on this national leadership team. Now, part of the perks of being on this team is what I was given access to become a, a kuru member, a New Zealand kuru member, meaning I now have access to the New Zealand lounge, which is nice. <laughs> I now have access to priority chicken, which is also nice. And so just last month, well, not just, in July, because we've just gone to September, in July, I went to Raro. And then when I was coming back, I was on my way back to, to NZ. And, and, and as I got to the airport, oh my goodness, every tourist on the island seemed to be at the airport. And they were all checking in. And those chicken was chocker. It was so full. And then I looked at the priority chicken, there's only two families there. So walk past everybody standing in line. Everyone looking at me, and then I stood in priority chicken with my bag, with my two bags, because I get a free bag, priority chicken. As I stood in line, as I stood there, the guy that was in front of his family was just staring at me. He was staring at me, and um, I was like, is he staring at someone? Just staring at me. And then he says very loudly, and, and making it obvious for me to hear, he goes, oh, aren't we, you know, to be in this line, you have to be a member. You have to have a priority chicken. Then I realized, wait a minute. 
Maybe he's just making sure that I'm not in the wrong line. And he's just trying to save me embarrassment of being in the wrong line when I get up there. Maybe that's why he's saying, because he's looking after my best interests. Because maybe I don't look like I should be in this line. Maybe I look like I can't afford to be in this line. Maybe because I have holes in my jeans and I can't afford to get the patched up or get new jeans. Maybe he was just trying to save me embarrassment for being in there. And I, I'm in the chicken. I was like, is this guy talking to me? Like, don't I look like I, 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 I should be in this line? But here's the thing. I already had access. The price had already been paid. I had access and I went through, got through. He was off with his family, filling in his chicken sheet. I went straight into the New Zealand lounge. When he walked in with his family, I was there already eating my first meal. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. When you accept this free gift, Jesus has already paid the price. You already have access. You have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have access. You can go before. It's not based on anything you've done. It's not based on any kind of reward. It's not based on how much money you pay the church or how much money you don't pay the church. It is based on what Jesus has done for us. That is why you have access. Not what you look like. Not whether you have holes in your jeans. How good your performance is. It's not on any of that. But solely Jesus did for us on the cross. Because whenever we call his name, he is present. He's present to give us mercy and to give us grace so that we can approach the throne with boldness. You know what boldness means? Boldness means that we don't have to ask anybody. Excuse me, do I belong in this line? We don't have to ask anybody because we already know we have access. We can go to our dad and we can say, hey, dad, can I call you? Hey, dad, can I come see you? Hey, dad, can I have the tub of ice cream? (laughs) So wherever you are in your dysfunction, your weakness, and I've been there, in your mess, Instead of running away from him, instead of disengaging from him, come with boldness to the throne of grace and mercy because Jesus is the solution for our weakness. 